you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What these young bloods have to understand that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, and this is your daily NBA betting podcast brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Glad to have you with us. I'm Matt Moore, senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by Albert Wynn. He's the analytics capper. You can find him on Twitter at analytics capper. This is your Monday recap episode, recording this late Monday afternoon before a full slate. And by full, I do mean full, (laughs) 15 full games on tonight. In the association, we'll see how all those shake out before an off night in the association for Election Day on Tuesday. Uh, We look at the the lens of the NBA in terms of weekend recap. We start by doing it through the prism of an award. And this week, Albert, we're going to start with most improved player. So the Philadelphia 76ers lose James Harden for upwards of a month now uh, due to an injury. As soon as that happened, Tyrese Maxey, absolutely skyrocketed to the top of the most improved player board. Uh, He's now plus 350. He's averaging 25-4-4 on the season. Absolutely phenomenal scoring for Maxi. That's been a combination of Harden being out and Embiid being out, some more shots for Maxi. He was plus 1,900 on October 5th. And that was about the time that I started shifting from I had built a preseason offseason uh, position on Anthony Edwards, and I started moving towards Tyrese Maxey. Now, a lot of that was built upon the idea that the Sixers were going to whip ass, and they have not whipped ass. They have not been nearly as good as we would have hoped for those of us with over tickets. But look, look I'll say this. you know, They've kind of stabilized after the rough start. Uh, they've started to look a little bit better. I am not too worried about them over the long term, even with Harden out a month. Embiid should work his way back into shape. I don't know, January-ish. Maybe he'll be back to feeling like himself, but they're still four and six. They're in pretty good position. Um, my question for you is, is Maxi? he'll obviously get bumped here by the absence of Harden and then however many games Embiid misses because Embiid's Embiid. Uh, is that enough to keep the statistical measures high enough? And then does he fit the category of the narrative 
for this award. This award hasn't been as tied to narrative as MVP, but it's still something to kind of talk about. What do you think about Maxi's chances for most improved player as we as we now have crossed the 10% mark on the NBA season? Yeah, all great questions, Matt. I'm looking super forward to these next 15 games here in the next 10 hours or so. But um, Maxi, I'll pat myself on the back here, Matt. Maxi was actually my heaviest, heaviest MIP position heading into the season. So I've gotten really great CLV so far. Obviously, we all know CLV doesn't mean a lick unless you win. Um, but I think Maxi, when it comes down to it, he's going to have the counting stats, especially um, points, uh, you know, especially on offense. The guy doesn't play any defense. And the narrative here might potentially hurt him, in my opinion, because I think this type of success, both individually and team success, were both expected. Um, he had a you know great final half of the year last year where he became you know prominent in that role. Harden was in and out of the lineup. Maxi had a great uh, playoff run, and then uh, you know team success. Right, we were all on the over. I think we all still like Philadelphia's chances moving forward. Maybe they're more of a playoff team than a regular season team because we know Embiid and Harden don't really try 100 anyways. With that being said. I don't think it's a great time to jump into Maxi right now. If you got them at 10 to 1 or better, that's great. But I think we're going to get to this next guy, and I love this position. I love his narrative much more than uh, Tyrese Maxi, if you will. One thing I'll say on Maxi, one, the assist should go up with Harden being out, so there should be more opportunity for him to just run point and pick up easy assists to Embiid um, along the way. The other thing I'll say is if the Sixers stabilize, and they do have a very – they've got a good deep roster – if they stabilize, which I think is a lot built around, like, does Joel get back to being looking more like Joel Embiid? The but if they stabilize and Maxi's averaging 25 points per game, that's going to put him in the conversation for an all-star spot. Mm-hmm. And one of the big conversations that Brandon and I had about most improved over the summer was look at those first all-star ballot returns and see who he, who's picking up votes oh, that's, that's a first-time all-star. And yeah. Maxi, I think, could fit into that category. Uh, a lot of this, I think, is that the the field right now is weaker. Um, we don't have a lot of guys. There's not Zion one is not come out of the gate just absolutely destroying everybody. Um, they're still trying to figure out how to use him with this unit a little bit in part. Uh, but also, I think really when we look at it, there hasn't been a, a lot of guys that have made the statistical jump that are going to be on teams that attract enough attention. We'll talk about some of the guys that are going to be on worse teams. But it's going to be hard to find guys that fit those categories of potential all-star appearance, conversation for first, for not first team, but third team All-NBA, just like in the All-NBA consideration. If Harden misses significant time and the Sixers get back to being a top five team in the East, a top three team in the East, Maxie's going to pick up a lot of narrative push there. Uh, you mentioned the next guy that we're going to talk about, and I do think it's a, a fascinating one. I added to it last week. Laurie Marketing, all the way up to plus 600. He was plus 1,400 when I grabbed him at the start of the season after watching him in Eurobasket. One of the takeaways, I think, if we're looking at, again, you mentioned CLV, can't eat CLV. But if we're looking at it, I don't think you can look at who's looked good in the summer runs in the pro-ams and take anything away from it. But I do yep. think... There's maybe something indicative. If a guy really shines in Eurobasket, that's close enough to the season to see what kind of shape he's in, uh, how healthy he is, where his game is at, has he made strides. And Markkanen was a guy that I really looked at and saw was doing amazing things in Eurobasket. I mean, he was 
phenomenal. You add that on top of the momentum he got with Cleveland last year when he didn't get any of the attention that Garland, obviously all-star, Jared Allen, all-star, and Evan Mobley, um, rookie of the year consideration, didn't get any of the attention, but he was really good. The only thing I have here with marketing and with the Jazz being out to this, this great start that they're at, this should honestly look pretty easy. Like this should look well. Marketing should be an even higher, uh, a shorter number, I think. And he should be more attractive, averaging 22 and nine, shooting 52% from the field. I think his three point percentage will actually go up here shortly. But the question everybody has is does he get traded and how to balance that? What are your thoughts on marketing and his value in the most improved player market? No, great insight there when it comes to Euro basketball and not only the European players, but if you look at the, look at the American players, uh, the guys that go off to play Team USA, whether it's the Olympics or you know an off year, those guys come back, especially if they become stars internationally, they come back and, and really take a step forward as well. So that's really good insight. I remember Durant in 08, you know, Anthony Davis in 12, guys like that really took the step forward. Um, so I like that look a lot. Markinen, I love this guy. He was dunking on LeBron all Laker game. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize how athletic he is. 6'10, he's long, he's lanky, and he has a shot. So he's always going to get the defense, you know, on their back heels. But as far as whether he gets traded or not, at this point, I mean, you're going to have to give up a lot for him, right? Because Matt, maybe you know the contract situation more than I do, but I feel like he's on a relatively good you know, contract, pretty good discount for that type of production. And everyone's waiting for the Utah Jazz to kind of bottom out, quote unquote, tank, but they continue to win. And I don't think, you know, Danny Ainge there mind that they're winning because they still have a plethora of picks and it doesn't have to be Victor. Yeah, that's going to be the question. And nobody in the league really knows right now what they're going to do. There's still a lot of questions. I think that everyone's in wait and see mode to see if the Jazz do hold on or if they fall back to earth a little bit. Uh, one thing I'll know on Mark, and I thought it was interesting last night versus the Clippers, he finished with 18 points. I had a, a same game parlay with him over uh, 19 and a half. And so crushing to fall short of that by one, it was also with a three, with two made threes. He was one of three from three, but he only had nine shots. And one of the things that we saw in that game was the Clippers. Sw- I should have factored this in the, the Clippers switch a lot. And so when they switched, that took out a lot of what marketing's able to do. Marketing's not going to get the ball in ISO situations and go to work unless it's like versus a big in the post where he's got a size advantage. Mm-hmm. So when he's facing teams that switch a lot and that's teams like the Clippers, the Celtics and the heat, uh, be aware that marketing may not, if you're a props player, those might be games to target marketing's unders because I don't expect him to have great nights when he's facing switching teams. But, you know, from starting at 1400 to plus 600, like where I'm at, it's nice because the guys that I had in preseason, for most improved player are at now at the top of the list for most improved player, which is excellent. I will talk about one that I had that is not had such a great start to the season in a second. I want to talk about the Spurs and you mentioned uh, Keldon Johnson last week. I got to see them up close and personal this weekend in Denver. Uh, nice. Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell are both at 21 plus points per game. So that's in the statistical range. We talked about this a lot when we did uh, our how to bet most improved player episode over the summer, which you can find in the feed. It talked about how there are these like statistical numbers you want to jump to. You basically want to go from a 13 to 15 point score to an 18 to 21 point score or 25. If you can get there, you want to be in that range. So Kellen Johnson and Devin Vassell are both in those categories shooting pretty efficiently. Spurs are five and five. 
I there's a lot of reason to think that the Spurs are are a little bit smoke and mirrors that they're heading mm-hmm. in the wrong direction. Their underlying metrics kind of suggest that they're not going to be as good. Also, I can't see any scenario where Keldon Johnson or Devin Vassell wind up on anywhere sniffing an all-star team given the Spurs relative anonymity. So I don't see any, I have a Keldon Johnson preseason position as part of a larger smattering of the board that I took in August, but I don't see much value on here though. I gotta say, I loved how Devin Vassell looked on Saturday versus uh, the nuggets. What are your thoughts on those two guys from San Antonio? I agree with you. I think they're solid players, but they're just not going to get enough notoriety being in San Antonio. I'm in, I'm in Texas, so I follow all three Texas teams, but um, no one outside of the San Antonio area even really knows these two. I doubt even the people inside San Antonio recognize these two people if they were walking down <laughs> the street. With that being said, no all-star you know, potential at all in a loaded Western Conference, especially on the wings. So I agree with you. Um, good players, but just not enough there to really... To really push the needle. Here's a question. Where the fuck did Anthony Edwards go? Oh, uh, man. He's, he's vanished. So he was the consensus guy that we all kind of zeroed in on over the summer. And that was where the early money came in on was Anthony Edwards. And he was the favorite going into the preseason. Made a lot of sense coming off of that. All that playoff run had a bunch of big games, bunch of big shots. Everyone loved him. And he has been as frustrated as anybody with how the early returns on the Gobert experiment are going. Now, I'm preaching caution and patience when it comes to the Wolves. I think that this is a, a pardon the pun, but it's a big adjustment playing with Gobert alongside Towns. I think everybody's trying to figure it out. I think Finch is trying to figure out how to make the scheme work with what personnel that they have. And teams have really kind of figured out that if Gobert is going to drop, you can shoot, and they're targeting that pretty effectively. Mm-hmm. I trust Finch to make adjustments on the defensive side, but this doesn't change the offense, which is, you know, just really Edwards has been relatively unremarkable and doesn't seem like he's got enough spacing or confidence. You know, he's shooting 46% from the field, 36.7% from three. That's good. 22.8 points per game, five boards, four assists. Those are all pretty good numbers. Problem is it's basically just what he was last year. He's averaging the same number of assists as last year. He's averaging less than a point more. Uh, per season. He's averaging less than a rebound more per season. This is despite playing two more minutes per game. So we haven't seen that statistical jump that he's going to need if he's going to win most improved player. I guess I would just ask, is there a scenario you can see where the Wolves can get it together and as part of that formula, Edwards puts in the the statistical production to win most improved or are these tickets dead? No, 1,000%. These tickets are still alive. It was a summer of Ant-Man, right? He did nothing wrong. He had an amazing movie, a cameo that everybody talked about. Uh, that playoff series, it was all Cat's fault. It was not Ant-Man's fault. So everyone loved him going to the year. I, th- I still think he's a great player. Um, we all know going into this season, though, it was going to take a lot of adjustment to integrate someone like Rudy Gobert. So... Um, I think you and I, you know, we follow the NBA very closely. He had a really funny uh, press conference a few few nights ago uh, highlighting his plus minus or the rest of the starters plus minus, and they were just terrible, whereas his bench was the reason why it was even a close game. I think Edwards knows that he needs to play better, and I think he will. There's no Gobert tonight, by the way. I think we're going to see a lot of Anthony Edwards. Um, 
but I don't think these tickets are dead. I think it's he's still the best player out of everyone that we're talking about. And just for that fact, I think it's always going to be a good chance. That said, I would imagine you're not calling for like this isn't a buy low spot, right? You wouldn't think that now's the time to buy in. No, on no. Yeah, because like that's kind of where I get to is look those those tickets might be okay, but even at plus thirty five hundred, right? Uh, a lot of numbers they hit at plus one thousand over the summer. Even at plus thirty five hundred, like I gotta see it. I need to see some. I need to see some sign of life from the wolves to believe that he's gonna be able to do that. And especially, I guess there needs to be some sort of sign that he can make it work. That he that Gobert and he can make each other better. Because right now, that's not the interaction that's happening. And a lot of that I think has to do with D'Angelo Russell. But that's a whole other conversation. Uh, you robbed Jalen Brunson last week. You know, he's eighty to one now. I watch. I was on uh, BetStream with watching Knicks Hawks on Wednesday. Every Wednesday, you can catch NBA BetStream on League Pass and Mavs Magic this Wednesday. Very excited for that game. Um, nice. And Jalen was good, and Brunson's been good, and the Knicks have been pretty decent. Brunson just hasn't been – he's just kind of – he's just a good player. He's not – oh, wow. He's not running – and he, honestly, the usage isn't that high. It's not like he's doing everything every single play. Yeah. You know, Julius Randle's been better. They have better balance, which I think is better for the Knicks as a whole. I don't think making this into like Jalen Brunson running Luka Ball is a good idea. But he's only averaging three more points per game despite this huge increase in opportunity. The Knicks are decent. You know, maybe if he's the best player on the Knicks playoff team, he can get some all-star consideration. But you compare him with the two guys that we talked about at the top and uh, in Laurie Markkinen and Tyrese Maxey, and even a guy like Shady Gilgis-Alexander, who I talked about last week, I can't see any case why Jalen Brunson is going to finish. Even now, I'll say I can't see a scenario where he finishes above those guys in voting results. Yeah, I agree with that. This is more of like the respect for the love for the Knicks in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, if the Knicks do make the playoffs, if he does get all-star consideration, maybe he's not voted in, but someone gets hurt and he's an alternate and he plays and has a good game. Like those type of moments really put you on the map for awards like these. For example, like we just talked about Anthony Edwards. Let's say he posterizes LeBron and it's all over ESPN. Like, right. you know, that type of stuff is what really catapults you into, you know, award talk. But with that being said, 80 to one, this is more of a, obviously a, a long shot here. But I think the Knicks as a team, like you said, is more balanced. I think they are better long-term. I think there's some um, some potential for a trade as well. So if Brunson becomes the second fiddle, uh, on a a superstar led team and they make the playoffs like you never know. Tyrese Halliburton is plus eleven hundred. Uh, my our action network colleague Joe Delera is all over Halliburton. Bets him every game for props. Has a huge yeah. position on Halley for most improved. He's getting numbers. I can't deny the numbers are there. I just don't know that it's like whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me. We all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You can think that the empty stats on a bad team is a bullshit narrative, and you can still think that it's going to be hard for a guy to prove he's not that given the Pacer situation. Like they're yeah. going to lose a ton of games. They've won a few here early because of the schedule, but the numbers kind of show how bad they are uh, between him and Anthony Simons, who's 6,500 uh, plus 6,500. I like, I like Anthony Simons a lot more. I think Anthony Simons, when he gets back from injury, that Blazers team was competitive. Simons had an absolutely inferno quarter versus the Nuggets. If I choose between Hal Burton and Simons, because I think the Blazers are going to be better, I actually kind of like Simons better, even though Hal Burton's numbers are going to be as good as anybody on this list. Yeah, it's a detriment to Hal Burton that he's not explosive. He's not a high flyer. He's not going to shoot, you know, he's not going to make six threes in a row like someone like Simons. Simons is really there that is more blockbuster, right? He's going to be the the front page of your news. But to me, Hal Burton is more of a winning player. He'll have, you know, a an offensive rebound tip, you know, that leads to an off uh, a layup or something like that. So I think he is a winning player, but as, as far as an award winning player, that's a completely different situation. I don't think Halliburton has good value because you're right at the end of the day, like guys like Mitch Richmond or Bradley Beal, like those guys don't really win anything, even though they score a ton of points. Next segment, we're going to move on to the most important covers called the mic drop. And um, we're going to start the Los Angeles Lakers have won two in a row. Maybe they turn things around. Russell Westbrook was has become the favorite to win six man of the. Oh no, the Cavaliers completely thumped them in the second half after a rousing speech from JB Bickerstaff. The Cavs completely rolled on them. Uh, everyone in the action slack played this completely wrong. We had Lakers first quarter, not factoring the Cavaliers hangover from LA nightlife. Should have played Lakers first quarter, Cavs for the game. Not just because that one, but that was the obvious spot here uh, on the Sunday early game versus the Lakers. But they just completely collapsed. They just they could not get it going. Yeah. Um. There's now talk of an Anthony Davis trade. Bill Simmons talking about the possibility with Kevin O'Connor on his podcast today. Yeah. Um. I guess my big question is, you know, I wasn't surprised when they beat the the Nuggets. I wasn't surprised when they beat a Pelicans team that was missing some guys. I think we got to be back to fade the Lakers at this point because they just, they are so resigned. They're so beat up. Davis is a shell of himself. I don't expect Westbrook's performance to hold as much as I like Russ. I don't expect it to hold. So like, I think this team is going to be one that I'm going to be looking again to fade. If the market continues to still treat them as like, well, they're not a great team. They're bad. They're not awful. I think you got to power rate them as one of the worst teams in the league. I think they are one of the worst teams they might be the worst maybe second worst in the west um i guess just a side note for tonight's game specifically there's no lebron there's no lonnie walker beverly a lot of you guys are out so there is a, a little value there um because they're just uh playing against a team that they just played and got blown out now they're only six and a half point underdogs but uh big picture wise for the lakers i think you're right like it is a fade spot for them um, Bill Simmons and Kevin O'Connor made really good points. I think it's a really good opportunity if a deal is there for Anthony Davis to really reset that franchise. And that's only if LeBron is going to sign off on it. They are close friends. They're both, you know, clutch clients. So there's a lot of 
ulterior motives when it comes to that. But for this game against the Cavs, I was actually on the Lakers first half, so I cashed that. But I, then I pressed at halftime because I thought, well, this is free money. Let's just go ahead and continue. And I think they got outscored by 22 points in the second half. And it wasn't because the Cavs were on fire. It's because the Cavs really clamped down on defense. So if you're looking at Anthony Davis props moving forward, if you see athletic long guys like Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, things like that guarding him, um, you basically just got to fade those Anthony Davis spots. I have the Lakers at seven points worse than an average team right now on New York. Wow. Uh, and for comparison, I have the Orlando Magic at 7.2, minus 7.2. <laughs> so they are basically the Magic. They have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and they are basically the Orlando Magic, according to my power ratings. Uh, Minnesota does get the win over the weekend and covers versus Houston without Gobert. And boy, they it felt like a weight had been lifted. Gobert out with health and safety protocols. Going to be a little bit uncomfortable, I think, as this conversation moves forward. Maybe they... Teams, I've talked about how much harder they are to defend when Gobert's not on the floor. So I guess I, I mentioned in the first segment that I'm preaching patience with Minnesota that they'll get there. If I'm wrong, is there a chance that this team is outright mediocre to not good? Like, is what are the chances that Minnesota just isn't good and we should be betting them accordingly? So I'm I'm actually not as low on Gobert as other people. I think when any team adds. Three, a three-time defensive player of the year winner and at center dominant, you know, on the glass blocking shots, your team is ultimately better. I think the issue here is the price that they paid for Gobert, right? It was five picks or something absurd like that. And you're expecting championship or bust. But as an outsider looking in, I bet the, the Minnesota Timberwolves, Matt, I think they just want to make the second round. I think their second round is an NBA Finals. And if they make any you know additional rounds after that, that's icing on the cake. So to us you know, who think championship or bust, I think it might be a, a bad situation. But for them, if Gobert can get them into the second round, it's a competitive second round. They're one of the teams that uh, you know free agents want to go to. I think it's a win for them. So... To me, man, I think I don't think they're ever gonna be uh, a great team in terms of like wins and losses in the regular season, but I think they're built for the playoffs. Nets go to two and zero without Kyrie Irving serving his six game suspension. Lots to figure out on that whole thing. I uh, thought it was interesting that they're two and zero without Kyrie, and somebody was like, "Well, they're what about since since Nash?" And well, they lost the first game after Nash got fired, so they're two and one. Since Nash got fired, uh, they did push versus the closing line against the Hornets. They won 98-94. Kevin Durant had to go bonkers, but he was awesome late in that game versus, you know, the Charlotte Hornets without LaMelo Ball <laughs> and Gordon Hayward. Not exactly promising, even though I think Steve Clifford's got those guys playing hard. Matt, are you a Nets fan? Oh, boy, this team, this <laughs> team. Uh, you know, but I will say I'm I'm probably I, – I just got to tell you, I, I might upgrade them a little bit in power – in on manual adjustment power rating – based off of Kyrie being out, not just out of spite, but they, they played with a lot of, they played with more heart over the weekend. They just have, like they just, they've played hard and they seem locked in. Now Ben Simmons returns, no idea what to expect from him. He hasn't been good in uh, the few minutes that he played this season. I did want to say there's some guys on that team. I like, I like Cam Thomas. I actually think Dayron Sharp's long-term NBA potential is pretty good. Uh, Nick Claxton's had a great season. Yuzo Watanabe who on Toronto I thought was hor- really good. You just been awesome. And he's played in late game situations. So 
I don't know. I, I'll just say I'm not as aggressively looking. I've, I faded the Nets, I think, more than any other team this season. I'm yeah. not looking to aggressively fade them during this time when Kyrie is out because to me it does seem like the vibe's a little bit different. For sure. Like I'm not a I'm not a handicapper or a sports better that uh, follows the negative news. So, you know, no Kyrie, coaching situation is in a mess, front office is in a mess. Those are situations where I would not just blindly fade because I think the world is fading those situations. So I definitely lay off. I think you still have arguably a top five, top three, top two, maybe top one player right now going in the world. I think it's Giannis, but KD has an argument. And we'll get to KD later, but um, I I do think the Nets have value moving forward. I don't know what they're going to do with Kyrie, man. What if what if he's out for ten games and they go nine and one? Like, yeah. you have to trade him. You know, like it's almost an addition by subtraction at that point. Uh, one more team I want to know is Chicago went to five and zero against the spread in straight up wins this season, and finally won a game or covered a game that didn't win outright. They're now five and zero. ATS in straight up wins and one four and one against the spread in straight up losses. Yep. So to me, this is just like an important note that when you're looking at the bulls who I actually think are sneaky, pretty decent, uh, Billy Donovan is doing a lot of different stuff with them. They're the number one team in switch this season in terms of how frequently they do it. They never switched last season. It was a like it was a absolute no. They've changed a lot of what they're doing offensively. They're changing a lot of what they're doing defensively. Like Donovan's trying different stuff and it's actually working that may be unsustainable. But right now I'll just say that if you're gonna bet them, you want to be looking for them as a dog and you want to be sprinkling a little bit on the money line right now, not just based off of the trend, but to me, this fits the profile. When the bulls get things to click, they're a really good team. When they're outmatched and the other team has got it together the Bulls have very little little chance of narrowing that margin and things are going to slip away from them. So that's my read on Chicago after this recent stretch of play. Yeah, honestly, I view them very similar to the Timberwolves. They're the Minnesota of the East and they're only, I don't know, an hour flight from each other. Um, with that being said, like uh, Minnesota, they don't, when they lose, they lose really bad. I think the f- it's only been three weeks, but they don't have a loss that's under nine points. When they lose, they lose by double digits. It's very similar with the Bulls. Uh, if they win, they're going to blow you out. If they lose, they're going to get blown out. So with that being said, there is a lot of talent on this team. It's still weird to me to watch Levine and DeRozan kind of go, you know, my turn, your turn, kind of like, you know, Russ and Russ and KD a few years back. Um, but I don't know. It, you're right. It is a good team. I think what really puts them at the next level is when Vooch is hitting his three. When he's on fire, I think that team is really hard to stop. All right, final segment, as we do every week, we say if we had to bet the awards right now, we'll let you know if we're actively betting any of these awards, but if we had to bet them right now, what would the bet be? Uh, I am going back to the well. There's two guys in the conversation for me, and it's Luka Doncic and Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'll go ahead and say Giannis this week at plus 210. I've got a big feature coming out on Luka on Wednesday. Check that out on Green Dot Daily in the Action Network app. Um, Luka's usage is insane. I expect it to continue throughout the entire season. I think his numbers will be crazy. Giannis is better this season. I don't know how. I don't know how that dude got better, but he's better. And look, MVP is a different conversation from best player in the world. They're not the same conversation. They're not even really remotely the same conversation. But Albert, I'll tell you right now, like I think Giannis is the best player in the world. I think pound for pound, both sides of the ball, offense, defense, every facet of the game, Giannis is the best player in the world right now. If I had to bet it, I would bet Giannis at plus 210. What about you? 
Yeah, it was a really funny interview over the weekend. Um, you know, someone was asking about his three-point shooting and he was like, well, he's amazing at everything else. So it wouldn't be fair, right? Basically, if he knew how to shoot threes as well. Um, I think Giannis, you're right, is the best player and is right now should be justified as a runaway favorite right now for MVP. They're undefeated without Chris Middleton and Pat Connington. That team is incredible. And he is uh, the linchpin to it, both offensively and defensively. But I just wanted to throw one name at you because I know you love this team. Um, but they are 2-0 without Kyrie. Let's say KD goes on a tear where he averages 32-9-9, something that we haven't seen since Michael Jordan, right? And they win 55 games just under uh, Giannis and the Bucks. KD at 16-1 has a little value there. What do you think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I, I think so. I have some. I have a parlay with him with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Um from when I was I was putting in some smatterings on those MVP parlays. <sighs> he's amazing. He's incredible. My only thing is just like I feel like he's gonna get hurt. If if yeah. if I didn't have the injury concern, I think this this number needs to be way lower. Like it needs to be I would say it needs to be halved because there's an entirely a chance that KD says this is a disaster. All right, fine, I'm out. Gets traded to somewhere that's serious about basketball, and everyone's like, you know, he's been the best player in basketball for half the se- or he's been the most dominant player in basketball for half the season. It wasn't his fault in Brooklyn. Like th- yeah. I can see those scenarios playing out. Uh, I don't know if I bet it, but it is a fun one. I think to think about. Absolutely. By the way, you mentioned Giannis and shooting threes. He's hit at least one, three in every game, except the two versus Detroit. I think that's a fascinating. <laughs> thing. So, that's funny. Except for those two, six of eight so far this season for Giannis in terms of hitting at least one, three, uh, six man of the year. Uh, I was surprised at some uh, where I came to on this. I actually think Jordan Poole mm-hmm. is the best value on the board. He was the runaway favorite, approaching a minus number to start the season. And thanks to Golden State being terrible and everyone just getting overly excited about Russell Westbrook having a good couple of games. Again, I like Russ. I don't want to be this guy. But Poole's now plus 320. Poole's shooting 42% from the field and 29% from three. Do we think that that's going to be who Jordan Poole is over the course of the season? Because I don't. And so if we factor in regression, uh, I'm very confident in this Golden State team. Everyone's like, oh, no, I'm like, guys, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green together have a plus 12 net rating. They win those minutes by 12 points per 100 possessions. That's elite. They are still the same team. They are literally trying to figure out whether or not James Wiseman gets to be a part of this future or if James Wiseman is a future Atlanta Hawk. Atlanta Hawk. And so I'm not worried about them. And if I think that... Poole is the player most likely to benefit from them getting their shit together, which I kind of do. Then I think Jordan Poole plus 320 is still pretty good value. I don't know that I would bet it right now because I think we might get a longer number. If I can give this to four to five, I'm absolutely going to bet it. I will bet that at that point. But at plus 320, I still think Jordan Poole might be the best value on the board. Yeah, when Poole was minus money, definitely there's no way you could have touched that right now at plus 320. I mean, that is pretty good value. You're right. And I think he's going to also benefit from Clay taking a step back. So he's going to get more opportunities, more usage. And I think they're going to move forward with all these load management opportunities because their team is older. Their team has won four. They know that this is a long season. And I think Kerr understands that, you know, in order for them to, to be ready for the playoffs, and he's really good at doing this, he 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 puts young players in positions with like other superstars to make sure that the young players not only get opportunities, but their confidence stay high. So Jordan Poole has been the biggest benefactor of that last year. And I see them continuing that this year. Uh, but for me, I like to bring up uh, this Utah jazz player. I know we mentioned uh, Laurie marketing, 
Jordan Clarkson has won this award in the past, but Colin Sexton coming back from ACL surgery has been playing really well. He's averaging over 20 points. And I think uh, he's going to stay off the bench no matter what they do in terms of trading or injury. So if Conley gets hurt, I think they're going to keep Colin Sexton off the bench and that's only going to give him more minutes from the bench. So I like this spot. I think it's, it's 21. Let me double check here, Matt. So Colin Sexton is 40 to one. He is 40 to Ooh. one right now to win six men of the year. And we know they love giving it to Utah jazz players. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> most improved player. I still think Shea Gilgis Alexander uh, at plus 850 is great value. We talked about the other guys here. I have positions on Tyrese Maxey. I have positions on Laurie Markkinen. Uh, Shea, to me, if you had to bet right now, he still has the best value. As long as the Thunder are within striking distance of 500, Shea has to be considered. Uh, I think Shea should also be the favorite. This is the worst number on the board, I think. So with Shea being plus 850, I'll go with him. Uh, because he's the most likely candidate to be an all-star. He's been dominant. He's been absolutely dominant. He's unstoppable. The reason that we didn't discuss him at the top is because I have a hard time getting into the idea of like, one, we talked about him last week, but two, I was like, I don't know if he'll play the entire season. I don't know if the Thunder will stay in the play in the playoff conversation, all these types of things. But at plus 850, uh, Shea's an absolute demon this season. He's the best value on the board of Adibet right now. Yeah, I love that pick. And he was in a similar similar situation in the last couple of years. And you're right. It just really depends on whether OKC pulls a plug or if they're going to continue trying to win these games. My pick here is 60 to one. If you want to add a little to your portfolio there of, of, of awards and futures, Anthony Simons without Dame in the last two games, 31, eight and three and 37 and five. So, you know, he's going to have all the counting stats and I think they're still decent without Dame. So I think he's going to continue to be in conversations for playoffs, for all-star games, things like that. So Anthony Simons, you know, he's explosive, you know, he can get hot really quick. Uh, you talked about that one quarter. It really reminded me of Pete Clay Thompson when he barely dribbled the ball. He just caught and shoot the three, and it was amazing to watch. So I think Simons has a really good shot here, and at 60 to 1, it's worth a long shot. Defensive player of the year. I, I finally came around on this. I was resisting. I think <laughs> Brooke Lopez at plus 1800 has got to be worth a bet. I may put this one in. They got a 93.3 defensive rating, best among qualified candidates who are not Grayson Allen, actually, who has the best defensive rating. Now, look, defensive rating is a team stat. Okay, so like Seth Part now, I can hear in my head from the athletics barking at me about how defensive rating is a team stat. Don't disagree. Can't disagree. It literally is a team stat. The difference here is you need to start with what the top five defenses in the NBA are. And voters are smart enough now to where defensive rating does matter. It's no longer points per game. Like you may have a couple of dinosaurs that would look at that, but most of the voters are smart enough to know, let's adjust for pace. Let's look at defensive rating. Oh, the Celtics are the number one team. Who's the best defender on the Boston Celtics? Well, it's Robert Williams. Oh, Robert Williams is out with injury. I guess it's Marcus Smart. And that's how Marcus Smart wins defensive player of the year. Now I've said on this podcast before that I thought smart was the best value. I still think smart at a longer number is good value, but I want to bring up that if I had to bet right now, I would probably bet Brooke. His rim protection is absurd. Like this Bucks team is clamps all over, but Brooke is absolutely containing at such a high level and guys that, that pick up his kind of blocks and rebounds numbers are always going to be attractive candidates for casual voters, which there are still some left in the voting block. So at plus 1800, I will go with Brooke Lopez as who I would bet right now for defensive player of the year. Yeah, let's give flowers to Brooke, Brooke Lopez, man. What a crazy career arc. He started not on the Brooklyn Nets. He started on the New Jersey Nets where he was averaging like 20 and 8. He was 
a terrible defensive player. He was in, you know, trade rumors for like six years in a row. Everybody wanted a piece. He's kind of like the Miles Turner right now. Every every trade request involves Miles Turner. That's how it was with Brooke Lopez. He actually spent a year on the Lakers, and then he joined Milwaukee Bucks, won a title. The rest is history. Now he's a great spot-up shooter. He's a great rim protector. Uh, it's it's really nice to have Giannis there, right? As your as your you know front court mate to play defense there. So things are a little bit easier with perhaps the most athletic. Uh, you know, seven footer of all time. But with that being said, I do like that pick a lot, man. And it has to be either a Buck, a Cav, or a Sun this year. I think they did the same thing with the Celtics. You mentioned Marcus Smart last year, so I think they're going to do the same thing this year. So to me, it's either you know Lopez or maybe a Evan Mobley if he continues to play better or improve, and then like a Mikel Bridges for the Sun. So it has to be on one of those three t- three teams, in my opinion. All right, let's get wrap it up for buckets. For Monday, thanks for joining us. We'll be back on Wednesday. No games tomorrow, so no uh, Best Bets episode. We'll be back on Wednesday with your Best Bets episode as well as on Thursday. And then the recap and uh, futures episode with Brandon on Friday. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and check out all of our great stuff in the award-winning Action Network app, the best way for you to track your picks. Get up to the second information where the bets and money are coming in and much, much more. You can follow Albert in there at Analytics Capper in the tool, as well as on Twitter at Analytics Capper. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at HB Basketball. We'll see you guys again next time. Let's get buckets. <laughs>